This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi everyone, Delfina Correa here from B Metal and Maxwell Leadership. We're doing a series based on the book by John Maxwell, Developing the Leader Within You, Version 2. Uh, last week, you know, we're on, uh, we're on, um, part eight today. And last week we ended with an interesting topic and the topic was on problem solving. And you know, uh, attitude has got a lot to do with how we solve problems. Today we're going to talk about the, the major plus in leadership. You know, leadership has got a lot of pluses for us, but there's one really big plus and that is to have a certain attitude and, uh, if I want, if we want to solve problems, like if you had to go listen to the recording, I'll give you details where you can get the recordings later. But if you had to go listen to the recording of last week, we spoke about how you can really use problems to help step, you step up your game and, and help you become a better leader. Um, but you know what? If you don't have the right attitude, you're going to struggle to see the opportunities and the problems. You're going to struggle to have the right perception of problems. So we're going to talk about that today, attitude. Uh, having the correct and a, a really valuable leader's attitude that's going to serve you. And I want to just start with uh, Chuck Swindle, something that he said. Uh, he said, the remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We have a choice. So attitude is a choice. It's not to do with circumstances, really. It can be tougher in certain circumstances to have the right attitude, but you still choose your attitude. We all choose our attitude. Who do you admire the most in your world? Think of someone you admire the most. Can you, I mean, I'm thinking of two people now, my mom and my dad, people that I really admire. There are many other people I admire, John Maxwell being one of them, and that's why I, I am one of his trainers. Um, I wouldn't be certified if I didn't admire him, uh, you really got to believe in what you're doing. Uh, but my parents were two great examples. And and could you write down five things about uh, that person that you admire? I mean, just off the bat, I can give you five things of my dad. He showed us how to have vision, how to have courage, how to how to um, be humble. He was a humble man, and and how to uh, have determination, and how to be generous. He had so many good qualities right there. I think I might have mentioned five. My mom, uh, I'm, I'm encouraged. I mean, she's a fearless woman and she's still with us today. My dad has passed away. Uh, my mom, uh, uh, being, um, having fun no matter what you're doing and seeing the bright side of things, uh, staying consistent and your light shining, never going out. I mean, these are all things that she taught us as children and, and also very courageous and fearless. I, mean, I think I've mentioned maybe five things right there off the bat. So these are people that you admire with, and, and you will notice they always seem to have the right attitude. We don't admire people with a bad attitude, do we? We know they got a bad attitude. We might even have been influenced by them and we might be copying some of that bad attitude. But do we actually admire them? No, we always seem to admire people with a good attitude. And to be a leader, you have to do have a whatever it takes attitude. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Whatever it takes to have a leader's attitude, I must be willing to do that. A leader's attitude must be, it must exemplify a resolve, tenacity, focus, determination, commitment. It's got to demonstrate consistency. It's got to see possibilities, fight for victories, especially in tough times. You know, uh, 
to have a leader's attitude, you've got to have a warrior kind of mindset, not a victim mindset. You know, and we've got to be consistent. It's like brushing your teeth, you know. Consistency is so important in leadership. It's like brushing teeth is to teeth. Think about this. Um, you don't have to brush all your teeth, only the ones you want to keep. So if you want to keep your teeth, you better brush them. Uh, and that, uh, brushing teeth is very valuable for your teeth. And a warrior mindset is very valuable for your leadership. So what does it take then to have this attitude? What is the whatever it takes that I have to embrace? Well, I would say the first thing you got to do is you got to disown your helplessness. Right now or just now, I just spoke about uh, having a warrior or a victim mindset. You don't want to have a victim mindset. Quick uh, question for you. When was the last time you pulled the victim card and used it? You don't have to answer that loudly. If you're on your own, you know, you can just think to yourself. And we've all done that before. You're not alone. So don't feel too guilty about it. But uh, think about the time you pulled the victim card. Did that help you in any way? Did you grow from that? Of course, the answer is no. But if I, if I, you and I as leaders have a victim or a victor or a warrior mindset, then we will let go of that kind of helplessness that we can feel when we pull the victim card. And our attitude, the attitude that we possess, it is not only going to empower us, but it will also empower those around us. When I've got a, a warrior mindset and I don't allow the victim uh, idea to 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 raise its head in my life, then I will demonstrate a lot of good things to the people around me, especially as a leader. This is a leadership series about developing the leader within you. So if you're the leader, when you disown your helplessness, you are going to have a, a no excuse kind of attitude that that you're going to rub off onto that's going to rub off onto your team, uh, your your team. You're going to have that take taking responsibility. Uh, habit, um, not ma- trying to excuse your bad habits, but but taking responsibility and making the changes. You're going to create a can-do environment. You're going to model the whatever it takes attitude to your team, and guess what? They're going to copy that. You're going to provide help and training. You're going to enable your team to succeed. That you're going to enable them to take on challenges. That, that's going to make them more responsible. They're going to take responsibility for their performance. You'll make your team feel more valued and more like part of a team because when you've got that can-do kind of attitude, that's what it creates. You can even give good feedback when, you know, when you disown your helplessness, you're not going to be afraid to go to your team and give them good feedback. You're not even going to be afraid to talk about the challenges and, and, and address the challenges that need to be tackled. You're going to celebrate with them when they succeed and uh, it will help them to have a desire to grow too and get better. You know, um, when we have that victim mindset in our surroundings, it's so difficult to have these positive attitudes in a team. So you've got to ask yourself, in terms of this warrior or victim mindset, how am I empowering myself? But more importantly, how am I empowering others? I have this quote that I use. Uh, it goes like this. It says, when I build others up, I am automatically strengthening my own self-worth. Isn't that powerful? So I want to build other people up and it makes me feel better about myself when I'm adding that value to others. 
another whatever it takes attitude for leaders is that we've got to have the attitude of taking the bull by the horns. I want to tell you a very interesting story about taking the bull by the horns. But before I go there, I just want to quote Theodore Roosevelt. He was one of the presidents of the United States. He said this. He said, there is nothing brilliant nor outstanding about my record, except perhaps one thing. I do the things that I believe ought to be done. And when I make up my mind to do a thing, I act. Now, I don't know if he was saying that just to win some votes. Maybe that was before the election or something. You know, they, people make promises, the politicians. I don't know if he really uh, followed through on that. But if I look at those words... That's what I would like to be known for. I would like to be known for that person that when I said I was going to do something, I did it. And if I saw the necessity to attend to something, that I didn't ignore it. Quick story. This is the story I I mentioned now. It's the story of Alexander Graham Bell and Elisha Gray. The day is February the 14th, 1876. This was the day that Elisha Gray, now Elisha Gray, just so I can let you know who he was, he was an inventor of that time, in, around the time of Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, and he was, um, on that day, he had gone, he was on his way actually to the patent office because he wanted to patent this idea. He wasn't going to patent it. He was just going to make a declaration that he's planning to invent this machine that has the potential to transmor- transmit a voice sound over wires. Today we know that's the telephone. <laughs> but at this time uh, in 1876, there was no telephone. And so Elisha Gray was on his way. He was going to just give his intention so that he kind of wanted to book this invention so no one else would steal the credit for the invention. So he went to the, the um, office and uh, he had been experimenting for some time on this device. And uh, and even on that day, remember, he's not going to patent it. He hasn't come up with the device yet, but he's been toying around with it, you know, casually and not taking it too seriously. And when he got to the patent office, he discovered that just uh, that same day, literally a few hours before that, another inventor had been there and filed for the actual patent. He was intentional. He had already gotten the patent. Patent, And guess who that person was? That was Alexander Graham Bell. So what did Gray do? He went to court. He, I mean, he fought this thing in court that it was his idea before it was Graham Bell's, uh, Alexander Graham Bell's idea. And you know what? The court sided with Bell because Bell was more proactive. He, he went forward. And maybe Elisha Gray, uh, you know, was playing around with the idea for longer than Alexander Graham Bell. But, but the point is he dragged his heels and you don't want to find yourself in a position similar to Gray's. To be successful as a leader, you need to possess initiative. You've got to take the bull by the horns. I want to ask you a um, sobering question. When in the past have you sat on a stool in the middle of the field and waited for the cow to come home? Here's the thing about a cow. The cows never come home. The, pow- the cows graze in the field. They will sleep in the field so they can just wake up and carry on eating. But the cows do not come home. you got to go and fetch them. You know, taking the bull by the horns is like taking the cow by the ears. And you got to bring them home. So the cow's not coming home. It's not just going to happen. Nothing is just going to happen. And if if you're struggling to make things happen or or to take the proverbial bull by the horns, I want to give you some uh, ways that you can maybe um, overcome that. 
Danny Cox has has some keys to success that he has, and uh, these are questions that he'd ask himself. Whenever he had a situation that he had to make a decision, uh, he asked himself four questions. What do I really want? What will it cost? Am I willing to pay the price? And uh, when should I start paying the price? I mean, just think about that. It's like, what do I want? What's it going to cost? Will I pay the price? When must I start? And the, the time to start is normally yesterday <laughs> for most <laughs> most decisions. So can you see that? It's boom, 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 boom. One, two, three, four. And he gets into action. So that is a good way of trying, uh, kind of getting yourself out of that lethargy of waiting that you can just uh, do what you know needs to be done. And if you're struggling with taking the bull by the horns, you can even do this. How about taking the 30-day challenge that uh, W. Clement Stone did uh, for 30 days? Every morning and every evening, you can ask yourself, uh, do it now? Yes or no? You know, make a decision uh, and then follow through. That's what W. Clement Stone did. He did it, he said it 50 times per day for a whole 30 days. And if you know the history of um, Stone, he was a successful businessman and a philanthropist. So uh, uh, we have something that we can learn. It obviously worked for him. So if it worked for him, it'll work for you and I. Speaking of uh, having the leader's attitude, this is such a powerful one and very important. you got to enter the no whining zone. No whining. The question is, are you a winner or a whiner? Because here's the thing, you can't be both. You're either a winner or you're a whiner. There's no middle ground. It's one way or the other. So maybe you're listening today and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I think I'm more of a whiner than a winner. What can I do? Fear not. As usual, John Maxwell always comes up with ideas and I, I tend to come up with ideas too. I've got, I've, I've practiced this and I want to tell you that it works. This is how you can move from complaining to thankfulness. You want to express gratitude independent of your feelings. You want to express gratitude for the small and ordinary things. You want to express gratitude especially in the midst of adversity. And you know what? I, I, I my, my idea for this is have a go-to phrase when times are tough and you feel like you want to complain. This is This is my go-to phrase. My go-to phrase is, you're a good God. I speak to my heavenly father and I say, Lord, you are a good God. I remind myself of the good God that I serve. I say, Lord, you are faithful. You're always with me. If I need wisdom, you'll never withhold it from me. You're always there to help me. You're always with me. You'll never leave me. Even if I mess up, you'll help me back and you'll always protect me even though I make mistakes. You'll always be looking out for me. And, and I focus on who's on my side. And it works. If I have a, at the end of the day sit on my bed and I've had a bad day, uh, I intentionally have gratitude statements. I'm thankful that I have a bed to sleep in and I've got the clothes on my back and, and, um, I'm alive. I've got breath. You know, I had something to eat today and little things be intentional about having uh, gratitude statements. So I'd like to ask you today, which expression will move you closer to gratitude? Have you got an expression you could use? If you don't have one, I encourage you to find one. You just need one. When you say the one, it's funny how the one just kind of leads you to the next one. 
You can have your go-to phrase like I've got. So to have a, 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 a right attitude, a, a whatever it takes attitude as a leader, you also want to put on a new pair of shoes. Now, what does that mean? Sounds cool, a new pair of shoes. But uh, it's not like a literal new pair of shoes. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, walking in someone else's shoes? It means to see things from their perspective, doesn't it? So you want to see, see things from two perspectives, from your perspective and from the other person's perspective. When you're dealing with a person, you want to try to see it from their side. And when you see things from the other person's perspective, you get a much clearer picture. Think of it. Do you have a clear picture of other people's perspective? Have you thought of maybe asking people? So how do you, I mean, how do you get another person's perspective? I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Well, I found that uh, when I ask them questions, I do. When I begin to interact with them on a relaxed, non-confrontational, uh, um, amicable level, and, and just with free conversation, I discover where they're at. When I ask them questions, I discover where they're at. And when I discover where they're at, it helps me to understand why they do what they do. You know, those people who rub you up the wrong way, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe you're just misunderstanding something in the way and, and the reason why they do things a certain way. And, and to have a right attitude as a leader, you want to nurture your passion. Here's the thing with passion. Ken, Hem, uh, Ken Hempenhill said this. He said, Vision does not ignite growth. Passion does. Passion fuels vision and vision is the focus of passion. And leaders who are passionate about their call create vision. So here's the thing. You've got to be passionate. If you're not passionate, then you're not going to want to grow. It's the passion that ignites the growth and it's the passion that fuels the vision. When I've got passion, I automatically will kind of, you know, it just becomes, uh, you get a vision when you've got a passion for life. You've got this ideal of how you would like the future to look in your world and in the world around you. And and when you've got a passion, it fuels that vision. It, it keeps it alive. It, it grows that vision because the vision grows when there's passion. So passion is where it starts. So you've got to nurture your passion so that you will want to grow and so that you, you keep your vision alive. Question. Uh, to you today, how would you rate your passion for what you are doing now? How would you rate your passion? Passion is so important. When we're not passionate, we're going to lose a desire even to just be around, you know. And as a good attitude for a leader, we want to uh, exceed expectations. That's another good attitude we should have. John Maxwell said, wherever I am, whoever I'm with, whatever I'm doing, and whenever I have an opportunity, I will set the bar of expectations for myself higher than others do for me. Someone said once, there are no traffic jams along the extra mile. I love that phrase. No traffic jams on the extra mile. It's, it's, there's a lot of moving space up there, around there. And you know what? It's very crowded there in the average lane. Lane average is very crowded. There's not much room to move. But on the extra mile, there's freedom to move, no traffic jams. And where in your life, your business, relationships even, where do you need to raise your expectations for yourself? Where do you want to raise the bar? Where would you want to go the extra mile? Because that's, that's a leader's attitude. 
true leaders go the extra mile. If you are in a leadership position and you, you don't have a desire to go the extra mile, one of two things needs to happen. Either you need to stop leading because at some point you're going to start manipulating and it's going to go pear-shaped. Or it's not going to, you're going to manipulate to try to make things happen. But if you really want to be a leader and it's your passion to lead, you can develop an extra mile attitude. And then when you go the extra mile, you don't have to make a whole bunch of things happen. You just stay on the extra mile and a bunch of things will begin to happen. Things get attracted. You begin to attract certain things in life that are conducive to your growth when you are on the extra mile. Good leader's attitude is also that you should never be satisfied. I want to uh, just um, elaborate on that and give a clear explanation of that. You see, there's contentment and there's satisfaction. And there's a difference between being content and being satisfied. To be content means that I am at peace no matter where I am. I've got, I've, I've got, I'm fulfilled no matter where I am. But being satisfied means I've had enough. To be satisfied, to be satiated, it means I do not want more. I'm full and I've had enough. I don't want more. And a good leader is always content and never satisfied. So how can I be always content and never satisfied? Well, the way to be always content is when I realize it's not a flash in the pan. It's not a one hit wonder. It's not a destination, but it's a journey. And I need to enjoy the journey. It's more fun when you enjoy the journey than if you just keep looking and wondering when you're going to get to the top. And to never be satisfied doesn't mean I'm not happy. It just means I realize there's more. The more I discover, the more I realize how little I know. So uh, to be content means I've always peace, but yet I'm never satisfied because I realize that I'm not finished yet. There's always more for me to discover, more to grow. There's always better leading for me to do. And there's always more difference I can make in my world. There's always more. And you want to not be satisfied. I want to end off today for the sake of time. We've run out of time. Um, but I'd like to leave you with a question. What could you improve in your attitude or your team and your business? That's going to take you to the next level. And I'll leave you with that. And uh, we, can, we will continue with part nine of the series. In the meantime, uh, you can visit my website, bemadewhole.co.za. There you will find all the courses that I give on uh, personal development and growth and leadership, mostly Maxwell courses. There's also my own course. And there, as a, a certified Maxwell trainer, you can um, – Get help. I can help you with uh, getting certified. If you would like to be, I can help you with that too. My books are there that I've written, available as downloads as well as hard copies uh, to get online. Or if you live near a Bright's Hardware store in the Western Cape, you can pop in at a Bright's and you can get uh, a hardware, um, get hard copies at uh, some of the Bright's Hardware stores uh, there um, in your area. You can get that info on the website. The blog is there with teachings, videos, and podcasts. And the podcasts are the recordings of all these series. Most of those podcasts you'll find uh, that come from these series. And you can pick up anything that's been aired within a day or two on the podcast. So you can subscribe to that. You can follow me on social media and stay connected with my regular personal development ideas. And uh, the Community Transformation tab is there. And you can um, see what Be Made Whole is doing in a community in South Africa as well as other countries of Africa. 
And that's it for today. So please join me again next week as we continue with developing the leader within you. Thank you very much. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.